What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the 43rd episode of Season 3. Today we are talking about players to target. We each have 10 players that we are going in and after all of our fantasy football drafts and the reasons that you need to go get them as well. And for an episode like this, we had to bring in someone very, very special. So special that he is in the Fantasy Sports Writers Hall of Fame. He has also worked at one of the most prestigious companies in the game for over 14 years. With over 53,000 followers on Twitter, he is the talented, the amazing Scott Panowski. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that lovely intro, Alex. Looking forward. I've been enjoyed uh, getting to meet you some online. You, you're doing a wonderful job on Twitter, putting out all sorts of value. And uh, let's try to bring some value in the show today. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I appreciate getting to talk about an episode like this. This is one of my favorite episodes because we can talk about league winners or my guys and all of this, but this is the most players that we'll probably ever talk about in a players to target kind of episode. And with that being said, Scott, you are the guest for today. So we will start with you. Who is your first player to target in all of your fantasy football drafts for this year? Yeah, you know, I'm calling Aaron Jones a perfect second round pick. Uh, The Packers transitioning post Devontae Adams. They're going to be more running back centric. Uh, Jones said really good numbers in games in the past without Adams. Obviously, Adams isn't coming back. I mean, look at that receiver room, right? I mean, Lazard is asked to be their number one, but he's really not that. They have guys like Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. Who knows what they're going to do? They have some rookies who I don't think you can expect a lot from early on. So even though A.J. Dillon is an excellent player and not a bad target where he's going in ADP, Aaron Jones is my common build this year is get one running back. I can hang my hat on the, the hero RB strategy, and then I'm trying to pound receivers. If I don't get a running back in the first round, I'm really hoping to see some Aaron Jones in round two. I love that. I, it's funny you say that, though, because I, I actually have A.J. Dillon as my first target. I, I love A.J. Dillon, and I think that I, I just really like his upside. He was the running back 21 last year, which is obviously fantastic. He's only getting better. You know, the, the Packers coaching staff is called Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon 1A to 1A. But I think one of the most interesting parts of their offense is the fact that, I mean, like in across a lot of sports books, they're like the fifth or sixth highest projected team in scoring, depending on the sports book. And, you know, there's no Devontae Adams there to, to steal all those touchdowns. Like someone is going to have to score, and it seems like this new offense is going to run through these two guys. And they're the exact guys that I want to target in every single draft. But we'll go back to you. Who is your second draft target right now? This one's hard only because he's so freaking trendy that you get to elbow people out of the way. But I'm, I'm getting the elbows out. I'm going Charles Barkley, 1991. Michael Pittman, year three, right? Ooh. I mean, we saw rookie year, he was good. Second year, he was really good. And with whatever was left of Carson Wentz, a very inaccurate quarterback. Now he gets Matt Ryan. And here's the key to understand. Matt Ryan's an upgrade. Is he dramatic upgrade? They didn't get Russell Wilson or somebody, but he's an upgrade. Pittman has almost no car- target competition. I still think Frank Reich is a really good offensive designer. Now, I, I'm not the only person to say this. It's it's you know it's kind of a trendy pick, but I think Michael Pittman can still outkick what's a rising ADP. It, it, one of those, again, third round, I see Michael Pittman. It's so easy just to immediately smash that pick button. I love it. I love it. Michael Pittman has been a very frequent player we've talked about on this show, a guy that I am absolutely in love with. What do you think his ceiling is for this year? If you think he's going to outkick his ADP, what's the highest he could outkick it this year? I think he'd be a top five receiver. 
top five receivers. They're wide receiver one in the range of outcomes. Sure, why not? There we go. You heard it here first. It is in the range of outcomes from Michael Pittman. My second draft target for today is Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is someone that I was not in on at the beginning of the offseason, but I feel like the more I dive in and do research, the more I'm just in love with Marquise Brown. He was the wide receiver six in fantasy football with Lamar Jackson before he got hurt last year. He's now in a better passing offense that will throw for more attempts in Arizona. His QB is also more accurate and better and is also Marquise Brown's college teammate in Kyler Murray. This team is a faster pace of play than the Ravens were. They're passing more. He's still improving, and also Marquise Brown is one of six wide receivers in the NFL with a 24-plus percent target share over the last two years, and if there are any signs with DeAndre Hopkins' drop-off this year, Marquise Brown could see a ridiculous amount of targets in a really good offense, the more accurate QB that throws more than his previous team. I think all signs are pointing up for Marquise Brown as long as the connection is there. Are you a Marquise Brown guy, or am I getting too excited? I'm probably middleweight on Brown. I'm I'm not drafting him super proactively. I'm not fading him. The big takeaway, though, for me in Arizona, which would fit into your Hollywood angle, is I'm nervous about DeAndre Hopkins. There was attrition yeah. in his game last year. Obviously, suspension. It's better than him being hurt, but he's not going to be there for six games. So I, I would think Hollywood will wind up being the, the heavy targeted guy early on, and then you hope that carries over. I like the narrative that they that obviously they played pinball together in college. That matters to me. And not just with the teammates. I mean, we're talking about a Heisman Trophy year for Kyler Murray. So, And they went out and got Hollywood Brown to improve their receiver room. So um, I'm probably taking him just fine at ADP. There's other guys I like in that area too, but I don't think there's anything wrong with Hollywood Brown. I'll give you a receiver I do like. I talked about you know, Jones. Again, I'm, these aren't locked in takes for me. I mean, when I say I love Jones and this Aaron Jones in the second round, doesn't mean I have to take him. You know, I could take somebody else. I don't have to take Michael Pittman in the third round but I'm taking him a lot when I see him there. I have a fourth round player who fits that model. Yeah. If he's available, he may not get to the fourth round. It's DJ Moore. This Ooh. is a guy who's put up volume, not put up touchdowns in his brief time in Carolina, but it's been with Teddy Bridgewater. It's been with Sam Darnold. It's important to understand that Baker Mayfield's an upgrade. He played hurt last year. And I think, look, we, I get it. He's on every other commercial and he gets tired of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he played so poorly last year, but he's healthy now. He's changing teams at the right time. This team is a very narrow usage tree too it's going to be a lot of McCaffrey it's going to be a lot of DJ Moore this is the year DJ Moore at least scores seven or eight touchdowns as that normalizes I don't see why he couldn't have a nine or ten touchdown season he's just run really unlucky in that touchdown area this is a year corrects it's a mistake he's going in the fourth round he should be a third round player you're getting a discount on a guy who's going to be drafted trust me a lot earlier next year Really? So what do you think? So how much do you think that Baker Mayfield is going to be elevating DJ Moore this year? Do you think he also has top five or, you know, number one in his range of outcomes? Or do you think that he's just going a lot lower than people should be expecting right now? I think I feel confident Moore can be a top 10 receiver and maybe okay. maybe creep into the top five or six. I'd be shocked if he was the receiver one. But man, if you're getting him as your second or third second receiver, I'm fine with it. I have teams where he's my third receiver. And I'm, man, I, I just love that build. Do you think with that that being said, where DJ Moore's your third receiver, just their offense in general, Christian McCaffrey's coming back, he's going to be there for the whole season. Do you think that target share scares you at all, or is this offense just going to be so condensed because they don't have a true number two like wide receiver, even a tight end outside of those two guys that are going to be getting a lot of targets this year? Yeah, I, I like the fact, as you said, it's condensed. And I actually think McCaffrey coming back is a plus because it's going to put them in scoring position more often, okay. maybe love give that. some defensive attention also. I love a lot of times when you can get a player on a condensed target tree, but he's the second guy, you never have to worry about defenses 
maybe concentrating on these guys off the bus. McCaffrey's going to be the focus of both Carolina opponents. Uh, by the way, I'm curious, are you a McCaffrey or a Taylor guy at number one? Are you taking one of the receivers? What are you doing there? Oh, I, I go both. I go both ways. I think ultimately, if I'm playing in a any high stakes league that is not a home league, I'm going for McCaffrey. I got, I'm here to win. Chief I'm playing with nine to fifteen other humans that are in my drafts right now, and I'm playing to win. So I'm drafting McCaffrey. Taylor's fine, but if I'm playing in a league with a lot of really good players, I don't want to take someone that's just safe. I'd rather take the guy with a lot more upside. Are you which way? Which side do you go? Eileen Taylor, but I like the way you frame that. The more you respect your room and the more difficult you think it is to win your league, the more I think you just say, the heck with it, give me the upside guy. And I, I don't know anybody in the fantasy football industry who doesn't think that Christian McCaffrey, if they, everybody played a full season, we'd all expect Christian McCaffrey to be the best running back. I think that's just a universally held opinion. Yep. But if I were in a league maybe where I'm, I'm going to beat people just by showing up and just because they, they won't know who to pick up or they're going to be unengaged. If you're in a more casual league, you're trying to be Bob from accounting. I might side towards the Taylor side, but I, I totally get McCaffrey. And, and this, you also illustrate that with the volume that a lot of us play, it's not realistic to have the same guy every time. I mean, I don't want my portfolio in that spot to always be, but um, Taylor or McCaffrey, for that matter, I'd actually like to balance it out. So if I had the number one pick a hundred times, I'd probably be like you know sixty Taylor, forty McCaffrey, something like that. That's that's pretty much how I would have it. I'd probably have sixty McCaffrey, forty Taylor. It's not like I'm saying I'm taking Christian McCaffrey every time. No, I'm not. I'd be I'd be kind of trying to get a little bit of both between those first two picks. Maybe I'd be taking a little bit more Taylor at number one because I know if I'm number two, I'm going to get McCaffrey, and usually most people aren't going to take Taylor number one. But again, to the listeners that are usually mostly not people that are playing with like, you know, crazy, you know, high stakes bids. I think, you know, Taylor is probably the the safer pick there because you don't have to worry about, you know, playing with, you know, someone like Scott or some other crazy psychopath that is just absolutely amazing at fantasy football. But another guy that you talked about with DJ Moore is the condensed target tree that is also playing in a condensed offense that I think has room for more growth is Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. Mike Williams obviously just set career highs in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. He's got a $20 million per year payday. But, you know, Keenan Allen's efficiency has gone down the last couple of years. He's on the wrong side of 30. Mike Williams is still getting better at age 27. And Austin Eckler isn't getting any younger. They said that he's, they're going to limit his touches a little bit this season. It's not a drastic improvement. But Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are the main guys that take away targets from Mike Williams. Keenan Allen just set a career high in receptions. So both things, I don't think Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler can rise any higher. So if Mike Williams was already a top 12 wide receiver last year, and the two players that are also commanding a lot of targets next to him can't get any better, and the only way to go is down in an elite offense with Justin Herbert, that to me says that Mike Williams is a lot more upside. If he was already a top 12 guy with those guys, you know, producing at maximum efficiency, and Mike Williams is still getting better, and Justin Herbert is still getting better, I, I think that Mike Williams is another leap to take. Do you think that's that's a fair point, or do you think that you know Eckler and Keenan Allen are just going to get there so much it'll limit Mike Williams a little bit? No, we're definitely on the same page here. Williams was on my list. He was going to be one of the next guys I was going to throw out. <laughs> it's really simple to me. Williams beat – I don't think everybody realizes this. Williams beat Allen last year, and yet he's a little bit more – inexpensive this year I, you know i we know the chargers are a destination for a lot of us we, we, we want to go to the moon with justin herbert you want exposure to this offense the most inexpensive and yet still with a plausible upside player you can get on this offense is mike williams i say go get him yeah i 100 percent agree go get him and again the only way is up when these other two guys again austin eckler and keenan allen are still going to be great i'm not saying they're going to fall off a cliff 
but they can't produce any better than they did last season. Austin Eckler led the NFL in touchdowns. So if he doesn't lead the NFL in touchdowns, that means more are going to go to the other pass catchers, and that might be Mike Williams. Go get him, people. Draft him in all your leagues. Scott, we'll go back to you for your number four player to target in your fantasy football drafts. So the Jaguars finally have an adult in the room, okay? The Urban Meyer experience was a disaster. I don't know how great of a coach Doug Peterson is, but he's got to be better than Urban Meyer. So <laughs> I think I can actually – these guys are kind of a tandem. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence takes a step forward. And I, in the super flex or two quarterback leagues, I'm fine with Lawrence. Or if you draft, say, um, if you're one of the later teams to draft a quarterback and a start one league, maybe Lawrence is your backup, a guy who has some upside. So that's, you know, do that with that what you will. But the more strong take here is I think Christian Kirk. Okay, look, did the Jaguars overpay him? Yes. Are they going to prioritize him in their passing game? Also, yes. I think he's going to have a career season. I know sometimes receivers changing teams makes us a little bit nervous, especially if they rise up the depth chart accordingly. But I just think that everything went wrong for Jacksonville last year because they, the, they hired the wrong guy. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is back. He's with a better coaching staff. He's got Travis Etienne on the offense. I think the Jaguars are going to be kind of a fun 6-11, and 7-10 and type of team. I, I, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished second or even quasi-contended in that division. I think the Colts will ultimately win it and probably win it fairly easily. But I think the Titans are moving the wrong direction. Houston's in the midst of a rebuild also, although there's some Houston guys that interest me. But uh, go get Christian Kirk. And in the leagues where you need more than one quarterback, I'm actually open-minded to an inexpensive Trevor Lawrence. I like that. I think it's a great take. Christian Kirk almost made my list. I think I took him off at the last second because some other guys I wanted to talk about. But again, they've said that he's the most targeted player in training camp. He was their most targeted player in target share in the preseason. And they're just paying him I mean, almost $20 million per year now. They believe he's going to take the next step. He was a borderline top 24 wide receiver last year. This year, he's going right around the wide receiver 40 range. A lot of upside, especially if this offense is good. There's a lot to bet on for Christian Kirk. I really like him. Another wide receiver going in that same Christian Kirk range. And maybe shame on me for going after this guy. But, you know, when one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time says, this is my guy, then, you know, I'm going to trust that at a wide receiver 40 price. And that's Alan Lazard. Again, Alan Lazard has not exactly shown it on a field for a full season yet. But they're still not. They still haven't signed Will Fuller or Antonio Brown or or someone else like that at this point. And Aaron Rodgers all offseason has said, Alan Lazard is my number one guy and Alan Lazard is ready to take the next step. Maybe he doesn't. But when this offense, like I mentioned earlier with, with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, that this offense is projected to score as much as almost anybody in the league. And there's no other real wide receiver or tight end threats that are going to take like a crazy target share. And Aaron Rodgers all season has said, I am going to back Alan Lazard, like every day of the week, that's my guy. That's someone I'm willing to invest in around the wide receiver 40 range. And again, if it's not like we're, we're investing like a top, you know, 50 or 60 pick, like he's going around, you know, pick 80, 90, 100 sometimes. And that's the perfect kind of target in an offense that is probably really going to be really good. And he could be the elite number one option. I mean, not elite, but the number one option in an offense that does not have someone that's going to be taking a significant target share away. I'm willing to take flyers and guys like that. Is, do you do you take flyers on Alan Lazard right now? Or are you saying this guy's never commanded elite targets and I'm just not going to be doing that this year? I'm more in than out on Lazard. Right. Let's face it. Aaron Rodgers does not have a circle of trust. He has a dot of trust. Alan, Laz <laughs> Alan Lazard's in that dot. Alan Lazard has the Aaron Rodgers cell phone. All right. I mean, yeah. even when Lazard wasn't really a regular for Green Bay, Rodgers was pushing to get Lazard on the field more often. And I just look at the guys around him. I, I mentioned them earlier. I mean, Watkins, Cobb, and the rookies. I just don't expect much from their uh, 
from those guys, Bob Tunyon coming off a lost season due to injury. Maybe he gets back in the mix. But And you mentioned the price on Lazard, which is perfectly reasonable. You're going to, in most leagues, you're going to draft him as one of your bench players, maybe yeah. even your second you know, bench guy or something like that, depending on how deep your league goes. And he certainly has a path to around 1,000 yards, seven to nine touchdowns. And although I wouldn't draft Rodgers because I'm not enthused by his overall collection of targets, I think it's perfectly fine to want to link up with Rodgers, get your Rodgers exposure through Alan Lazard. Exactly. And that's and that's all we're saying is, again, if he was going at a higher price, I, I would be out. But his price is so cheap right now that if I can draft him as my bench player and he's the number one guy for Aaron Rodgers and he just happens to be good, like Aaron Rodgers says, great. If he's not, oh, well, he was already one of my bench players. I'll find someone else in the waiver wire. So that is at a price that we are in the same with Christian Kirk, both going around that same price. Caught, we will go back to you for your next player to target. Okay, so you walk into your draft. And you're all excited to draft Justin Jefferson. And then you draw the ninth pick. You're like, ah, not getting Justin Jefferson. Well, you do the next best thing. You can get Kirk Cousins on your team because he's throwing the Jefferson. I still think Thielen is useful. Osborne's a pretty good three. Um, they got Jalen Rager today. I don't know what happens to that. Poor Jalen Rager will never be able to avoid Justin Jefferson for the rest of his life. And that's really sad. But the Vikings <laughs> needed an, an offensive remodeling, okay? And, and Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins didn't get along. That's pretty well documented. This team is finally upgrading. They're finally repainting the kitchen. They're finally redoing the basement. I think the Vikings can win this division. I think they're a sleeper to, to outkick their their coverage, whether it's uh, win the division, their, their win total is a good bet. And again, Jefferson's the guy I want most of all, and, and Delvin Cook is a perfectly reasonable first-round pick. Maybe you don't get those guys, but you want to get in on Minnesota. I know Kirk Cousins is a little bit polarizing. He hasn't done great in the playoffs. A lot of times he doesn't show up in primetime games. Maybe that's news. Maybe that's noise. <laughs> I know this, though, Alex. You throw the football to Justin Jefferson, you're going to look pretty good. You're going to have a lot of good fantasy games. So if you're more of a quarterback on a, on a budget guy, or again, you're in those formats where you need multiple ones. I'm perfectly fine to ride with Kirk Cousins because, again, it's another way to get Justin Jefferson exposure. And I think this is a year where Minnesota finally remodels and upgrades their offense. And Kirk, Kirk Cousins can't hurt you. Like Kirk Cousins in the last seven years has been the QB 13 or better in six of the last seven years. QB 13 or better. And he's going as the QB 15 with a better Justin Jefferson, You know, maybe a better KJ Osborne. Now they have Jalen Rager. So you really got to be drafting him. Obviously, I'm joking when I'm saying that, but they have Irv Smith coming back. This offense is going to be a similar offense that we saw the Rams and you know Matthew Stafford have success in last year. You know, maybe Justin Jefferson could be that Cooper Cup. You know that that he was for Matthew Stafford last year. I'm all in on Kirk Cousins, another guy that I think I've been a little bit off weight towards all season. Kirk Cousins would have been one of my targets, but I had to go Justin Fields here, and and I'm I also am just biased because I love rushing QBs, but. Russian QBs have such a high floor in fantasy football that if the you know range of outcomes works where they throw a lot of touchdowns, they're going to be cheat codes every single year. And we've seen a second-year Russian QB break out and then some in fantasy football for each of the last three years with Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts. This year, I think it's going to be Trey Lance, but maybe you know Trey Lance light could be someone like Justin Fields, or maybe this is like 2019 Lamar Jackson where he didn't believe in the weapons and all of a sudden they were awesome. I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be that people. Don't get me wrong. But Justin Fields is the rushing upside. They've actually looked pretty good in this in preseason, and the weapons aren't there. But again, the rushing upside is going to give him such a high floor in fantasy that if this offense and the passing out weapons are somehow really good, Justin Fields also all of a sudden a very big value in fantasy football. Am I getting too excited about like the worst offense in the league? No, I like it. Um, obviously, the offensive line is poor. It's hard to know what to take from the preseason. I mean, they did school Cleveland, but Cleveland was playing backups. 
And yep. they had no interest in covering Cole Komet on that touchdown, although it was a nice rollout. Here's the thing. And I talked about getting an adult in the room. Maybe just a new coaching staff that isn't named Matt Nagy is going to help. Justin Fields was yep. set up to fail last year. Now, granted, did they draft proactively to help Fields? Not really. Offensive line still looks terrible. But because he runs, as you say, it's, it's cheat code. You know, shout out to Rich Rebar, came up with a Konami code name. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Tim Tebow was a fantasy viable quarterback, and he was never a good passing quarterback in the NFL. Last year, Jalen Hurts had plenty of games where he looked like he didn't know what he was doing as a passer, but he was an effective runner. Eventually, he would complete a couple of passes. You don't need to be that good as a passer if you run. It's just the way fantasy is scored. Some may say it's a bug. I say it's a feature. You steer into it. Trey Lance, the more intelligent your opponents are, the more expensive he's going to be. In a casual league, you can probably name your price on Trey Lance, and I would say, fine, just get Trey Lance. In a more competitive league, you may have to get the Trey Lance light, as you said, which I think is Justin Fields. I'm also fine with Darnell Mooney, going to have a heavy target share, and Komet looks like one of those tight ends outside the top 10 who could maybe crash the party. Remember last year, Jimmy Graham was the touchdown Bogart, or he's gone. He's mercifully off our radar, so Komet could easily score no touchdowns last year, could easily be six, seven, eight touchdowns this season. The Bears are going to be bad, but I just gave you three Bears I'm actually interested in drafting. That is crazy probably to some people, but maybe smart fantasy managers will be willing to take the advice. The other thing about Justin Fields from 2011 to 2020, there, nine, sorry, there were 22 quarterbacks that averaged over four and a half rush attempts per game. 19 of those 22 were top eight fantasy QBs and points per game. The only ones to not do it, 2012 Tim Tebow, 2014 Colin Kaepernick, and 2020 Cam Newton. So basically the, the game theory would suggest that as long as he's better – than one of those three versions of, of those quarterbacks that he's likely going to be in for roughly like a top 10 or 12 season in points per game. So I'd be drafting Justin Fields and I think be, you know, at least getting a little overweight to the field on some of this Bears offense. Scott, we'll go back to you for your next player to target. So we want to get exposure to a Kyle Shanahan offense, but Debo Samuel's expensive and George Kittle's expensive. And in some rooms, Trey Lance will be trendy. Maybe Brandon Ayuk is the way to play this. Now last year, Brandon Ayuk was being drafted before Debo Samuel, and that was comically wrong. Debo broke out, was was a monster player, and one of my favorite, probably my favorite player I'm not going to draft this year. I'm very sad about that. But in the second half of the year, Ayuk actually had better receiving stats. Now, of course, you can't ignore what Debo did on the ground. But new quarterback, who's to say who Lance riffs with? I mean, maybe Ayuk could be the most targeted guy in this offense or the guy who's getting the most downfield targets where Debo's getting a lot of that stuff around the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying he's better than Debo, but it was just a year ago that people thought Ayuk was. Uh, let's not forget the pedigree. Ayuk has earned praise all summer as coming in with the right attitude. He's become one of the team leaders. I think he's the most expensive guy we can get in an offense, an offensive design that we generally want to invest in. Brandon Ayuk's my target here. I love that. Well, remember, what about Debo Samuel last year? He was the cheapest player in this offense. You know, I mean, well, I'm not counting Jimmy Graham, obviously, but again, I mean, Brandon Ayuk was expensive. George Kittle was expensive. And what did people do? They said, let's go get Debo Samuel because he's the cheapest player. Ayuk is going to be that guy. You also have the lunchroom narrative where Ayuk and Trey Lance were together all offseason, working out every day, throwing passes to each other, the exact kind of narratives that you want to be investing in in fantasy football. My next guy going back to the quarterback, and I talked about how much I love these Russian QBs, so why not talk about Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts, I think, could be the QB1 overall in fantasy football this year. He was the QB1 in fantasy for the first 11 weeks before a high ankle sprain with Quez Watkins and the aforementioned Jalen Rager as the third and fourth leading target getters on this offense. Now he's throwing to A.J. Brown. He's in the second year of this offense. 
Jalen Hurts should improve as a player figuratively in the third year of his career. Devontae Smith is also still ascending and Dallas Goddard is still ascending. So everybody on this offense is still ascending and Jalen Hurts was already the QB one in fantasy football for about two thirds of last season already. So like, why, why not draft this guy? Like, like to me, and, and again, I know this has been talked about. We've been saying this all off season. There's about a hundred people that, that feel like we're all geniuses for saying that this gives us similar shades of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen was the same thing. He had bad weapons and he was the QB one for a portion of that final season before he had that big breakout. And he was going in the same range that Jalen Hurts is right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts, again, I love Trey Lance. Trey Lance is my flag plant this year. But my number one most owned quarterback in best ball, in redraft leagues, everything right now is Jalen Hurts. I cannot stop drafting him at all. Am I getting too excited about these Russian QBs, or is Jalen Hurts going to be that dude this year? No, I, I totally see the point. I, the thing that frustrates me is just Hurts has been so popular in leagues I've been in okay. that he's. I have to weigh the price of it. But everything you line up, makes sense and remember last year this team did not throw the ball proactively what if with Hertz getting more confident and with brown, brown just a fantastic player and it was just so crazy in tennessee they never steered into brown targets he would always if you rostered brown you'd be like okay get ready for your six to eight targets that's all they'd ever give him i they finally gave him a double digit target game at the end of the season it was like the clouds parted and the angels were <laughs> weeping and sighing and you could hear the harps it was just a wonderful day this guy cannot be covered I mean, aj brown can score from anywhere any past that A.J. Brown can be a touchdown, no matter how it looks at the line of scrimmage or, you know, five seconds in. That's how great he is. Um, I'm, I'm all for the idea of Hurts. The only thing is he's just a little bit expensive, but I get it, Alex. I, I mean, he's a he's a runner. He's got wonderful weapons. You would think he's at a point in your career where you, the game slows down for you. You become more more skilled, maybe more accurate. Uh, I totally see it. And I'll, I'll piggyback this. One of my targets here is Dallas Goddard, who his efficiency is through the roof. He just hasn't had the usage yet. But this is the first full season he's had without Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was there for half a season last year, and then he leaves. Goddard was good in the second half. I think a lot of us thought maybe he'd go to the moon. But you know, sometimes offenses can't really change their stripes or their usage that much in season. Now he has a full season to be the man, the unquestioned tight end in Philadelphia. And again, anything per snap or per target on Goddard is just going to shine and flash and say this guy is a bust out waiting to happen. He's drafted in the second five of tight ends in any league but easily could be one of the top three tight ends on the board next year. I'm all in on Dallas Goddard. I love that. That goes perfectly with that Jalen Hurts pairing. Sticking with the QB position, I have David Njoku as my next target. I know a lot of people are starting to really believe in David Njoku, but we've finally seen the usage be there. The last couple of years with you know Austin Hooper you know, playing in this offense, we have not seen him get the elite like snap share that we need him to do. He's been about 60%. But this preseason, he's been playing over 90% of the snaps with the starters every single game. Jacoby Brissett has targeted QB, sorry, targeted tight ends at a top five rate since he's entered the league. And then when Jacoby Brissett is inevitably gone, he gets Deshaun Watson to throw to him in the fantasy playoffs, which will help their offense. It should help David Njoku. It should help everybody. But they made David Njoku a top five paid tight, uh, the fifth highest paid tight end in the NFL for a reason. Austin Hooper's gone. Jacoby Brissett loves to target tight ends. David Njoku is also athletic. He has a previous top 10 finish. These are all things that check the boxes for someone that you want in a fantasy football draft. David Njoku, I cannot stop drafting him. Are you getting him, or is there any other late-round tight end that you're drafting a lot of right now? Oh, I love the Joker. I, I wish we had more disagreement on the show because we're going to agree on almost everything, it seems like. But <laughs> as you said, you know, I love the fact that he's done it before. I love the fact that the receiver room is so pedestrian. I, I would not draft Amari Cooper where he's going and everybody else in this receiver room is probably undraftable in standard leagues. 
Yeah, Brissett is not a plus quarterback, but as you said, he likes to target the middle of the field. So his skills, we like receivers where you can say, you know, pass catchers. Does what he is his skill set in line with his quarterbacks? Like I like Amar Ama Ronse Brown in in Detroit, in part because I think what's he good at? It's good at what Jared Goff is good at those intermediate short throws, right? It, it, it lines up here. What is Jacoby Brissett good at the throws that David Njoku excels at those routes. Those, those are going to be available. I think Njoku has been mispriced all season. He's one of my favorite targets outside the top 10. The other guy who I'll consider in that spot. And I realize he's had a really up and down off season, but Alberto in Denver, we were in on him, the athletic profile. And then well, wait a minute. Well, why is he in there in the fourth quarter? Why is he running with the threes? But Greg Dulcich is starting the year on IR. And Russell Wilson's in town, who, who could easily be on my list. I, I think he's getting a change of scenery at the right time. Just like Tom Brady knew when to get out of New England, I think Russell Wilson knew when to get out of Seattle. Alberto is ready to be a top eight tight end. He's got the athletic profile. Ooh. He's got the right quarterback. And I think it's just all smoke. That, okay, maybe he just needed some more reps. He, he just didn't play that much early in his career. I'm, I'm not concerned. I, I've talked myself in and out of Alberto a lot over the last two or three weeks. I'm back in on him. Him and, and Joku are my two favorite targets outside the top 10. And if you have to go really deep or, or deeper than that, I actually don't mind Austin Hooper in Tennessee. It's going to be the most boring 72 catches, just like he used to be in Atlanta. He's going to be a catch and fall guy. But Tennessee, they man, a lot of vacated targets, right? And we don't know what Robert Woods has left. How soon will Burks be ready, the rookie receiver? They have kind of an ordinary offense right now, an ordinary receiver room. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to take refuge and just dumping off those short passes to Hooper. It's going to be 73 for 686 and like six touchdowns. But if you're in a league that matters, you know, go get Austin Hooper. Yeah, I, I like Austin Hooper as well. Like you said, there's no competition really for targets there. Like you said, we don't know what Robert Woods has left coming off an ACL. We don't know if Burke's going to be that dude. Another guy that I also like going in that same Austin Hooper late range, Evan Ingram. I mean, he's seen a 15-plus percent target share every year of his career. He's in a Doug Peterson offense that just absolutely loves to use their tight end. He's athletic. He is a former high finish, similar to Njoku. Again, checks all the boxes for those late round tight ends that we got to go for. Another guy that I also love in the later rounds, and I don't get why this guy is going in the later rounds. We already saw it last year, even if it's a different skill set, but it's Julio Jones. Julio Jones going late in drafts. He's like one of my favorite late round targets right now. Um, he's going to this Bucks offense that passed 11 more times than the Tennessee offense did last year. Julio Jones saw a 15% target share last year, by far the lowest since very early in his career. And if he saw that 15% target share, he was just as bad as he was last year in Tennessee and he stays healthy, that's 119 targets in the Tom Brady offense right now. But the upside is so much higher. That's, that's the floor. Now he's in a Tom Brady offense, the better quarterback throwing to him. He could be the wide receiver two if Godwin isn't ready early in the season. But if he's the wide receiver three, he's seeing the least coverage of his entire career. So if he has anything left in the tank, he is going to be a smash in fantasy football. I'm not expecting him to be A.J. Brown and be like the wide receiver one on that team. But if we just saw that it was just a bad offense and a bad situation that he was in and he was hurt for last year and he could be healthy, the range of outcomes is so much higher. But I think at minimum, he's going to see 100-plus targets in a Tom Brady offense, and he's still Julio Jones is going to be used in the red zone. And we also saw an interesting beat report a couple weeks ago, and who knows what to take with some of these camp reports, but they said that Julio Jones is going to be used very similarly to Gronk where it's up the seam a red zone kind of weapon and Julio Jones fits that kind of exact weapon that they'd be looking for that fits that size. And we've really never seen him be like an insane red zone weapon, even though he is, he's never had a super high touchdown number. I wouldn't be surprised if he came out with a hundred plus targets and 10 touchdowns this year. So is, is Julio Jones a late round target of yours at wide receiver? Or are you going somewhere else? 
I agree with pretty much all you said, other than I'll just say that my enthusiasm for Jones is probably a little bit lighter than yours, but I think you can be, I love the, the comparison of him being a tight end now, being a guy between the numbers and the irony of Julio Jones, Hall, a Hall of Famer already in my book. He's always yeah. been that big, you know, we talked about DJ Moore not having touchdown seasons. Julio Jones has generally been a guy who catches all day, all sorts of yardage, but the touchdown counts have been a little bit disappointing. I think this year he's going to be the year where he only has maybe seven or 800 yards, 850 yards, but he gets maybe nine touchdowns because he's one of those guys that's open. Even when he doesn't look open, he's open. He's got such great space and he's physical. He's like a, a boxed out rebounder. And then, you know, Tom Brady remembers, you know, I, I can never, as a Patriots fan, I can never thank the Falcons enough for only targeting Julio Jones four times in that Super Bowl. He still made one of the greatest Super Bowl catches in history. But Julio Jones and Tom Brady are, are going to riff. They're going to score. This is going to be a great Julio per capita season for touchdowns. He's going to have like, I don't know, 59 catches, but eight touchdowns. I'm all for that. I also think it'd be really useful early in the season. If Godwin's slow off the mark, we'll see how quickly Russell Gage gets familiar with Brady. And I realize Brady did recruit Gage to come to Tampa Bay, but uh, Julio Jones, again, when these guys get on the back nines of their career, it isn't about always, where can I make the most money? It's like, where do I fit the most? What's the best fit for me? And Julio Jones saw, you know, Tom Brady's a great fit for me right now. And then Brady, of course, you know, he needs weapons. He didn't have them at the end of his time in New England. So I, I think there's definitely, I, again, you're a little bit more enthusiastic than I am, but I would call myself proactive on Julio Jones. And I think it's going to be a touchdown season for Julio Jones. Exactly. And then the other thing to also note is that usually with, you know, soft tissue type injuries, they're most likely like they, they repeat more than if you didn't have them going into the season. You know, Mike, Mike Evans already had a hamstring injury. You know, Chris Godwin is still coming in off an ACL. I know Russell Gage is there, but there's no Gronk. So there's, there is a range of outcomes where Julio Jones ends up as like the most targeted buck, although unlikely, but again, last round of your drafts, an elite receiver playing with Tom Brady. You'd never know what can happen. We each have two more targets to talk about today before we get into our flag plant. Scott, we'll go back to you. What is your second to last player to target on the episode today? Well, we got to talk some Houston Texans, right? And, oh, and look, absolutely. I, I can't give you Damian Pierce because the whole world is giving you Damian Pierce. And I'm fine. You want to take him in the fifth or sixth round of a competitive league, maybe bump that down a round or two in a more casual league. I'm all for it because this offensive line isn't bad because Davis Mills isn't bad. Brandon Cooks is a guy. He was one of those boring players who I think a lot of people saw as a value. His ADP has continued to rise. I'm fine with Brandon Cooks. But the cheap way to get exposure to what's a very concentrated offense is Nico Collins, the speedster, deep guy out of Michigan. He's had a good camp. The receivers after Cooks and after Collins are really, really thin. I mean, maybe Brevin Jordan could, could break out a tight end. But Nico Collins is going to have a useful season in deeper leagues. And Davis Mills is a lot better than I think people realize. I love that. I, I that is that is an interesting take, and I think again that's why Damian Pierce I think is a good good value right now. And I don't think he's still not even going high enough at this point. I know he's going a lot higher. I know everyone's talking about him right now. But again, potential three down workload at the running back thirty near range. I love targeting Damian Pierce, but another guy I love targeting that I am buying the dip on as much as I humanly can in fantasy football drafts right now is Brees Hall. I mean, I get it. You know, Brees Hall is not the running back one in the Jets right now, and it's still the Jets, but. You know, we've heard all camp that he's consistently making not good plays, like monster plays. You know, he has the second highest athletic score for a running back since 2006. I think they have the sixth most improved offensive line, according to John Paulson, of four for four. And we've seen a rookie running back finish top 15 in 10 straight years. We've seen a rookie running back finish top 10 in nine out of the last 10 years. Brees Hall is definitely the favorite to do that for this year. Maybe this year the trend breaks, but. Again, Brees Hall is starting to dip in drafts right now, and I'm willing to buy it. Do you think people should be buying the dip on Brees, or do you think that 
there's a real chance Michael Carter could lead this running back room in touches. I think Carter's a good player. I think he'll probably be the week one starter and, and probably even useful all season. Here's what I would do with Hall. I would Not only would I be interested in buying the dip, I think he's going to be a perfect guy to trade for like three or four weeks in. Maybe Carter has more touches. Maybe the, the drum beat is, oh, the Jets are sharing more than we thought, or oh, Hall, Hall has picked up the game slowly. So often with these rookie running backs, it's a second half thing where the light goes on, where the team really turns in. Jonathan Taylor went off in the second half of his first year. We know that Javante Williams wasn't handed the ball, that Melvin Gordon was still there. But when Williams got a chance to start in that Kansas City game, he went bonkers. Be patient if you draft Hall. I'm fine to draft him now. But, man, there's a guy. I think when the, when the weather gets a little colder, when we get in October around Halloween, man, I'd be sniffing around if somebody – dropped Hall or was really down on Hall. I think he's going to be a great a guy who could be a league winner in the second half of the season. And I'm still perfectly willing to be open-minded uh, drafting him now. I think for the people not drafting him, like you mentioned, again, he's going to be a trade target for me in week one and week two and week three and week four and probably every other point in the season until he takes over this backfield because, again, he is going to do it down the back stretch. Brees Hall, a guy I cannot stop drafting. We each have one player left on our target list before we get into our flag plant. Scott, we'll finish – with you, who is your final fantasy football target for 2022? So when you're getting into the middle later in the last rounds of your draft, you're, it's all about upside. Okay, You're trying to tell yourself a story, a plausible upside. You're going to cut a lot of these guys, and that's fine. <laughs> One thing you want to do is get wide receiver threes on offenses you think are going to the moon. Okay, Maybe that's Tyler Boyd. I'm going to give you Josh Palmer, third Ooh. receiver for the Chargers. Is he startable in the standard league right now? Heck no. But if Keenan Allen gets hurt, if Mike Williams gets hurt, if even Eckler gets hurt and they have to go more pass heavy, it could be wheels up for Josh Palmer. But again, this is more of a stylistic thing. Again, you, maybe some people will take it to mean Tyler Boyd. Maybe it's one of the Rams receivers. I mean, think of what offenses do I want to get invested in? You know, KJ Osborne in Minnesota could make a lot of sense if something happened to Adam Thielen or something like that, or God forbid Jefferson got hurt. Who's a wide receiver three who's already showed some talent? Who's one news item away? We all know this game with running backs, right? We all, we, every good number two running back is going to get drafted, even if he doesn't have a role on opening day. We all know who those guys are. We should be drafting, and you want to draft a lot of those running backs. I get it. Everybody knows that. But you want to draft a couple of these one injury away receivers, too, because they'll be, you don't want to fight for them on waivers. You know, maybe, maybe you, um, you know, opening day comes and you have an IR spot to play with. You might be able to pick up Palmer in some leagues. That's the way you play this. Love that. That is a that is a great great pick. Like you said it again. One one play or one yeah one news report away from being good. And he was also really good last year when he had that happen. You know, I think he played three games over a sixty percent snap share, and he averaged about like three or four catches, sixty yards, and like point half two thirds of a touchdown. Like he was a solid fantasy receiver when he got those opportunities. When these some of these guys were missing games, I think he could do more of the same this year. Also going into his second year, not a rookie anymore, should be the clear wide receiver three. My final target for today is again another one of those things you talked about, where it's a really good offense and a player with not a lot of competition, especially after a super big cut yesterday. And that's Chase Edmonds. You know, Sony Michelle was cut from this team. Sony Michelle, not a great player, but he was the biggest threat to be the goal line back. Chase Edmonds, everybody knows, pretty tiny. And Chase Edmonds is now like the heaviest running back on this roster. It's guys that are similar size to Chase Edmonds, like Raheem Mostert and Miles Gaskin. And when's the last time we've seen Raheem Mostert stay healthy or produce for more than like an eight-game stretch? Never. He's also 31 years old, coming off a torn ACL. Is Miles Gaskin be the answer? No. We thought he was last year. He wasn't. 
Chase Edmonds finally has the opportunity to be the running back one in an offense that I think is very underrated right now and is going to be really big this year. They also run an outside zone scheme that very much favors Edmonds' play style. This Dolphins, offense, Dolphins offensive line is one of the most improved in the league. And again, if you don't believe me or the talent or anything else, follow the money. He's paid over two times as much as any other Dolphins running back, the exact guy you want to be targeting. It fits the offensive scheme and an improving offense. Chase Edmonds cannot be drafting him high enough. That is the final player for today, Scott. We'll ask you one last time. Are you a Chase Edmonds guy, or are we going to have a big, fiery disagreement to end the show? No, I'm really glad you mentioned him. He was on my list, and I, I think I'm, I just scrolled past him. And, and follow the money was going to be the first thing I said. Because we, you know, teams – Teams tell us all sorts of lovely things about how great their players are and how much they're going to use these guys and blah, blah, blah. Go by what they do, not by what they say. What did they do? They gave Chase Edmonds a big bag of money early in free agency. That means he's our guy. And then they cut Sony Michelle. That means Chase Edmonds is even more important to us. Yeah, Mostert's a good player, but he's you know, getting up there in age, and he's not always the most durable player. This team, another team that remodeled its offense, they've added some exciting parts. And Edmonds was really unlucky with the touchdowns last year. He's never going to probably have a 12 or 15 touchdown season in his outcome range of outcomes, but he was unlucky last year. I think he's a great target. You're going to draft him in a lot of leagues as maybe a bench player or a flex player. Go get Chase Edmonds where he's at right now. He's a wonderful ADP value. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. And that is it for our players to target. But we have one final question for a guest like Scott. It's so amazing. What is your 2022 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you believe in for the 2022 season? Scott, for the last time, the floor is yours. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say a guy I mentioned earlier, uh, Michael you can. Pittman. You can. Michael Pittman's going to be a first-round pick next year. Go get Michael Pittman. Wow. Anything to elaborate on that beyond what you said before? A first-round no, pick? Just no, there's no target. Well, I'm trying to be a little bit bold. Maybe it's a top 15 Absolutely, pick. Absolutely, A, a first-round pick in 16-team leagues, Alex. I'll cheat here. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, man, you know, I, I've been playing fantasy long enough where the year three was the year we got excited about. That we Drafting rookie receivers was like the dumbest thing you could do. Um, but by the way, this rookie class, I, I, I don't really know how to play it. I, are you getting a lot of London? Are you get, are you taking the buying the dip on Burks? I, what what are you doing with the rookie receiver? Alavia looks good. Wilson hasn't had a great camp with the Jets. I, I think this class is going to be great eventually. Uh, and, and man, Pickens has had a great summer, but who knows with that quarterback play? And they have other good receivers too. I, is there a rookie receiver you've drafted into pro, proactively? Yeah, I think the the guy that I'm drafting, two guys I'm drafting the most right now are Drake London and Traylon Burks. Actually, like again, they're they're both amazing picks. I mean, I really like Marcus Mariota and what he's done in preseason. That gives me more confidence in Drake London. We've seen a rookie wide receiver finish top twenty four in nine straight years. You mentioned Olave. He's a guy if Michael Thomas can't get it done, he fits Jameis Wilson's Jameis Winston's skill set. That could be really good this year. I mean, Trey, sorry, Drake London. Another guy that can command a lot of targets this year in an offense that is very open outside of Kyle Pitts. But Traylon Burks is probably the biggest guy I'd like to highlight here that I'm I'm actually in on because he's like literally going for free in your drafts. Like he's on waiver wires in a ton of leagues, even competitive leagues that I'm in sometimes in these 12 team leagues, and literally could be the number one target in this Tennessee Titans offense. We haven't seen him really make a lot of amazing plays, but again, he's big, he's athletic, he was really good last year, and he had one of the highest yards per route runs of any wide receiver in the class. And the biggest thing is, again, it's a 30-year-old Robert Woods, catch and fall Austin Hooper, undrafted Kyle Phillips, and Nikhil Westbrook-Kine. Like, that's who he has to beat out. So if he has that talent, like, he could legitimately command well over 100 targets in this offense, and he is going for free in fantasy football drafts right now. Again, if he doesn't produce, 
Fine. It's the last pick in your drafts. You can just drop him. That's the guy I'm going for. Who's the guy for you? I like that. Um, man, I probably Alave. The Saints are a team I, I'm not drafting into. And Michael Thomas is one of my biggest fades. I mean, two two years of irrelevance. Just not many guys come back from that, especially where he's at age-wise. And again, we ask ourselves, does the receiver fit what the quarterback's good at? Yeah. I think Chris Olave does. I think Michael Thomas doesn't. So I'm, I'm red light on Thomas, green light on Olave. I'll give you a couple other quick hitters. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to score double-digit touchdowns. And Russell Wilson will get MVP votes for the first time in his career. Russell Wilson's going to have a huge season. I want you to draft him. I want you to draft really all of his guys. I talked about Albert O earlier, but I want you to draft into Williams proactively. I want you to get some Cortland Sutton, maybe a little bit less of Jerry Judy, but I'm opening for Judy too. Wilson got out of town just at the right time. And with Pitts, I think everybody sees it. It was such a fluke that he only had one touchdown last year in Europe, no less. Maybe Falcons need more European games, but he had the second most tight end yardage of all time. I mean, the guy, the guy's a freak. He's really a receiver. There's no good matchup for him. He's a matchup problem no matter who's lined up against him. So you're going to want – I'm generally not somebody who drafts early on the tight ends, but you got to break the, the rules for Kyle Pitts. And this is the last year you go get him this cheaply. He'll easily climb around an ADP next year. Well, there's no better way to end the show than you talking about the guy that I have the most shares of in redraft right now for tight end, Kyle Pitts again. Like why draft Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews when you can draft Kyle Pitts in the third, Love fourth, it. sometimes fifth rounds? Like my favorite target ever in auction leagues right now. He's just going way too cheap. I love Kyle Pitts, Scott, and I've loved having you on the show today. It has been such a pleasure having you on. Before we go, have been doing this for a long time, but you put out a lot of great work and people need to be on it. So where can the people find you, your amazing work, and all the great content coming out each and every day? Sure. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. And you know, probably about 5% of my tweets are re- replying to something interesting that Alex has said. <laughs> and uh, I link to all my content there. I put up my My Guys recently. Uh, as we're taping this, I, I just finished a, an article on running back aging curves. And I actually linked to one of your tweets about it. Because um, you know, how often is the best running back 25 years old or younger? I think your tweet said nine straight years. You get to pay yep, attention to that. Straight. There are a lot of running backs in that danger age, right? I wouldn't draft Derrick Henry on a bet right now. But uh, so read that, see what you think. And of course, Yahoo's a great place to play. There's a lot of great places to play. But Yahoo's got a very intuitive app. You can draft, you can do salary cap slash auction. Uh, so, you know, whether you're drafting with, with new people, you're drafting with your college buddies, your your office mates, whatever, you, you want to beat all those people. You want to beat your brother-in-law, whoever it is, you can do it at Yahoo Sports. So, uh, you know, let's hang out. Let's have a fun season. Absolutely. That, that being said, real quick, Yahoo is my favorite platform to play on. I play almost 80 or 90% of my leagues on Yahoo at this point. I have to play Sleeper for Dynasty. I think they're the best app for Dynasty at this point. But for redraft leagues, I play a lot of auction leagues. I play a lot of prize leagues. Yahoo is the place to go. I'm not saying that just to say that. Like I tell people all the time, people always hate on Yahoo, but I'm like, that is my favorite platform to play on. You should be playing it every single one of your fantasy football drafts. I, I appreciate that, man. You know, here's here's the thing with sure. I'll say for Yahoo, and, and this is goes to the designers and the engineers. This is not me. You know, I I will occasionally be in on a call with the the engineers, and I, I may give a suggestion you know once every blue moon, but I don't I, I don't design the game. I don't design the app, but they win awards for the app because it's intuitive. What does intuitive means? It, it means that when you don't know where something is, you logically can figure it out. 
Yeah. And so I, a lot of times I go to a, an app or a site I'm not familiar with and I can't find anything. You know, it's like, where do I go for this? I was recently on an app. I'm not going to say which provider because I'm not here to slam anybody. But I was trying to figure out when pickups opened up for that league. And, I, and it took me a long time to figure it out. I finally couldn't figure it out. And I, I wrote to the commissioner. I said, well, when are the pickups open? I couldn't figure it out on the app. I guarantee you Yahoo's intuitive. And it goes to, you know, Joe Nazaro, Mike, Michael Lazarus, some of the people who work on it. There's a million people who work on it. I have some great colleagues there who do unbelievable work and if you have a good idea they'll listen to it maybe incorporate it so i'm proud of the game they put out again i take no credit for it It just so happens we work in the same building but you know we our paths don't cross that much but i think you'll like the app if you haven't tried it i think you'll like the platform if you haven't tried it and um and you know you want to play somewhere else that's totally fine too we can still be friends you know come on twitter let's uh let's argue about fake football Absolutely. No better no better thing to do, especially in August at this point. But again, Scott, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And it's always great with you listeners talking fantasy football each and every single day. With that being said, you guys already know. Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.